This is the Marvel Sports Podcast. You got the Penguins, the Capitals, the Boston Bruins, and the Islanders. It's great as a Panthers fan to say we're back in the playoffs. David, what do you think about the New York Knicks right now? I think that they're dangerous. I think that they're a dangerous team. But I really do appreciate Matt Barnes coming in and closing the door. Corey Kluber, though, eight shutout innings, 10 strikeouts. Um, and it was a good win for the Yankees. And here's your host, David Barnes. Florida Panthers season. Of course, I have uh, my friend Randy Moore, the uh, Valley Sports Florida. It's now the color commentator. Randy, how are you this morning? Uh, I'm great. I'm great. Excited for the playoffs. I think all of us Panther fans are. It's been quite the season for the Florida Panthers. They're second in the division. Um, I just first wanted to say congratulations on uh, finishing the regular season during COVID. Um, what you guys at Valley Sports have sacrificed this season to bring us the games. Um, I know it couldn't have been easy, so I wanted to say congratulations and uh, thank you uh, for that. Well, thank you. Yeah, it was, um, there's a lot of effort behind the scenes from our crew, everybody involved, and knock on wood, I'm knocking on wood right now, um, we made it through the regular season without any talent or crew, anybody, uh, fortunately not being infected by the coronavirus that could have really uh, done damage to our broadcast because as you know, with this crew, they work in, the, in these trucks and they work uh, around the arena and that, and if one gets it then, but we're fortunate, we're very fortunate. And uh, on the team as well, Florida Panthers, really, they never were uh, affected by the um, Corona 19 uh, virus uh, protocol that other teams unfortunately had to go through. So they're healthy, they're ready. And, and right now just preparing for that first round. Yeah, absolutely. And the first round is gonna be against Tampa Bay and we'll get to that in a second. Um, the last time we spoke, it was the middle of February, the Panthers were in the mix in the, in the division and now they finished with the second best record in the division. They were pretty close to winning the president's trophy. So is that surprising when you look at what the Panthers have done in recent years, being so close to the playoffs and now they're right there, two points behind Carolina to finish first. Yeah. Oh yeah. It was surprising. And the reason for that is if you look back after last season and disappointing loss to the New York Islanders in that bubble play-in format. The team just was disjointed and they made the changes. In comes new GM, Bill Zito, immediately um, surveyed what he thought was needed to turn this franchise around and the team around. And he set about his ways and he was very active. Um, almost half of the roster was turned over they brought in some veteran players. They brought in some uh, players that uh, starting their career, maybe with other teams that just not getting an opportunity. Carter Verhage's one of them. And they everything that he brought in really uh, paid dividends. Uh, there hasn't been one flop 
all the players, Marcus Nudevaro, uh, Gustav Forsling, who they picked up off of waivers from Carolina. He's on the first line of defense now um, with Mackenzie Weger. So all these moves that he made and then Joel Quenville, but there's always a risk. David, you know, they, you bring in new players and, and turn over a large part of your roster, but they still had Ekblad, Bobrovsky, Barkov, Huberdeau as their starting point with their superstars. And these players are really meshed. The chemistry was immediate right off the bat. They got off to a great start. They gained a lot of confidence, a lot of chemistry, and they wrote it all the way through. They only had a couple of little skids where they lost three games or whatever, never got out of control. They always bounced back. Uh, at one point in the uh, in the season, they were leading the league in wins after a loss. And that means that, you know, they only lose one at a time and then they bounce right back and win. And they had a really good, successful run uh, in overtime and in shootouts. That helps as well. They're very competitive. At one point there, there were, what, two, two maybe three days. They were the best team, number one team in the NHL in, in points. So you round it all up. There was a lot of players that overachieved, that have had career years, uh, given the opportunity. And I, I want to make this point that the players that they brought in, I mentioned Carter Verhage and, and Anthony Duclair and um, Alex Wenberg, who really struggled in, in Columbus last couple of years. They bought him out. Confidence was, was struggling, but they knew that he had talent. They put these players and they brought them in and they put them in a position to succeed. Give them an opportunity. You're going to play and you're going to play and prove yourself. And that's what all a professional athlete wants is an opportunity. And then it's up to the professional athlete, in this case, hockey players, to seize that and to go forward and, and do well. And that's exactly what happened. So it was a very successful regular season. How is that going to translate into the first round of the playoffs, especially against the defending Stanley Cup champions as Tampa Bay Lightning? We'll have to wait and see. But I know this is a confident bunch. They're going to be 100% healthy. They will get all their players back that have been nicked up over the last number of weeks, except for Aaron Eckblad. And uh, they're ready to go. Yeah, it's going to be exciting for sure. And um, that was one of the, one of my other questions I was going to bring up. What's been you talked about the guys that they've brought in from other teams. What about guys like uh, Ryan Lomberg and Kevin Connaughton and Mason Marchment? How have they fit into the system this season? That same thing. This is same thing. They acquired Marchment in a, in a trade um, from Toronto uh, in a minor league deal. Uh, Ryan Lomberg, uh, they felt that the Panthers needed some more grit, some more toughness. Uh, he's a little spark plug. Wasn't getting an opportunity in Calgary. He was a free agent. They signed him. Uh, you go down the list and all these players, as I, and you mentioned and I've mentioned in that, that they've, they've all, you know, Kevin Connaughton has come in. He's a kind of a veteran guy, a veteran minor leaguer um, per se, but he can, he's played some games in the NHL. He's a depth player. Uh, and he's, when he stepped in, he, he performed, um, uh, very well as, as well. So it, it's been absolutely amazing. There's been no flops and the, the team at the, at the trading deadline brought in uh, Brandon Montour from Buffalo. He is a great skater, good heads up defenseman, first pass can skate with the puck and play a little P, uh, power play can play penalty kill. And then Sam Bennett. How about Sam Bennett? Amazing. 
He led all players that were required a week outside of the uh, trading deadline in offense. Um, I think what 15 or 16 points in the 10 games that he played for the Florida Panthers uh, after being acquired. So <laughs> they're pushing all the right buttons. And that was a real uh, acquisition for the Florida Panthers. I said it during the season that, that the Panthers had an opportunity to really find a strong second line center that would really help them through the regular season and especially in the postseason. Well, Sam Bennett has been that and even more. Yeah, what what is he? Uh, what's he brought aside from his goal scoring um, to the Florida Panthers on that second well, line? Well, you know, and I think he said it as well. His career was was going a little stale in Calgary. He was a fourth overall pick. There was high expectations, and it's like I can, I, you know, uh, when you play for the Boston Red Sox or the New York Yankees, you're under the microscope. It, it, there's no way you can hide, and. Uh, I, I think he just, his his, uh, his game, he lost a little bit of confidence. Team lost a little bit of confidence in him. But here's a player, David, that's that's only 24 years old. And he's already had 400 games of experience in the NHL. And he's been proven his best hockey's been played in the postseason. So that mix alone uh, gives him an edge. And, and the Panthers were able to acquire him. And, and, and the dividends have been unbelievable. He's he, been brings, he brings, he brings a, uh, an, an edge as well. He's a tough player. He's tough to play against. He'll fight good on face-offs. He'll battle. He wins his battles for loose pucks. Those are the type of players that you, you, you look uh, over the last 20 years in the NHL, the Stanley Cup winners are the, in, the, in the finalists. You need those players, those players that are tough to play against. Panthers have a, a number of those, like Nola Chari and, and – um, and Frank the Tank Vitrano, these guys are tough to play against, and they're gritty, and they they won't back down from the from the opposition, and that's what Bennett brings to the Florida Panthers. I don't know if I could do your tank dance that you do in the booth when uh, during light the lamp, but he's been outstanding. Um, he's clutch, and uh, Vitrano is. Uh, yep. Um, and and Bennett, he's been a very physical guy. I I was I think I made a comment before the deadline that if the Panthers could get another physical forward, they'd be a tough team, especially on the four check. Cause he could get in, he could bring pucks in deep. He can fight off defenders to get to those loose pucks in the, um, in those areas in the corner. Um, so he's been outstanding. Um, Goldie called the line of Hubie, Duclair and uh, Bennett, the nine one, one line. What's the chemistry been like for those three? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, when they were together, they, they, they were immediate, the chemistry and they took off uh, like a blaze of glory. As far as on the offensive line, they, they got a little bit of everything on that line. They had, you know, the grid up the middle with Bennett, you've got the speed and the flash of, of Duclair. And then of course, Huberto is one of the best setup passers in the NHL. Um, while they were together, they performed very, very well. Now what we've seen is Duclair has moved up with the Barkoff line with Verhage, and I think that line will stay together for the first round of the playoffs. But as you've watched many of the Panther games, you better put those lines in pencil because uh, Joel Quenville, if things aren't going the way he expects, he'll make changes. And and that's another thing too, David, that why, you know, you look at, there's so many elements why the Panthers have had the success in the regular season. And like a lot of good teams, the Panthers and Joel Quenville played everybody, everybody. Nobody sat for a long period of time. He would insert the Hepo Niemis and, and, uh, 
uh, all these, uh, Marchment will get in, Lomberg will get in, I, I mean, Loisteranen, Yuho uh, Lamico, all these players were in and out of the lineup. Everybody, keep everybody fresh. Um, uh, it, it, that was, I think, one of the reasons why they've, they've had good chemistry. It's a terrific locker room. They, everybody has said it. Everybody's close. There's no clicks. There's no, um, well, clicks. So let's just call it clicks where, you know, certain players don't have anything to do with other players. Not None of that. And the leadership has been there. Patrick Hornquist came in and this guy battles. He's been around. He's won multiple Stanley Cups with Pittsburgh, scores big goals and stands in front of the net and, and is a real character guy and a vocal guy. And I think his experience on how to be a pro and how to perform on a nightly basis and not take nights off, I think that's rubbed off on a lot of these young players that are just starting their, uh, their careers. Same thing with Owen Tippett. Owen Tippett, first round draft pick, going into his fourth year pro. And so it's almost like, hey, this is it. If, if you don't uh, make it now, I don't know. There's because other draft picks are going to be coming up. And, and Owen Tippett took a while. Each player is kind of on their own pace as far as their development. He's learned to be a pro. The biggest thing with Owen Tippett is he's got to know that when he gets out there in the ice, he can't float. He's got to move his feet and be involved, be physical, and, and use his skills. He's got a great shot. And, and he has. He's taken a huge step forward. Yeah, he has. I feel like he's one of the guys that's really stepped up this season as um, as a younger player, and he's really come in. He's shot the puck well. He's another guy that can use his speed through the neutral zone and dump the puck in deep. Um, how big of it was Mackenzie Weger for him to come in at a, with Eklod out of the lineup? And I know it's a long shot, but do you think he's getting a vote or two in the Norris Trophy conversation? He might get he might get uh, a second or a third a uh, couple of second or third votes. I, I don't think I don't think so. But and one of the there's multiple reasons why. Number one is because he plays in Florida. If he was playing in Toronto or Montreal or one of the big market teams, whatever, he would uh, garner more attention. But um, everybody's been talking about Mackenzie Weger, but his season of extraordinaire started uh, right, at the, right at the very beginning. It's actually started last year where he really took a step up with his confidence and being involved in all facets of being a uh, NHL defenseman. And he's a, he's a perfect, uh, David, a perfect prototype of today's NHL defenseman. It's not the old days, like when I played and, you know, lumbering old defenseman and just shovel the puck up the wall and be tough in front of the net. No, 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 no. Today's NHL defenseman, you've got to be able to skate. You've got to be able to handle puck, go back, start the, uh, the breakouts, jump into the play, um, give another option once you get over the offensive blue line. And Mackenzie Weger's game really started to come like that. Uh, he had to work on his defensive uh, positioning, which he has, and he's really improved on that. To the point where he's one of the one of the I think one of the best defensemen in the um, in the Central Division as far as defensively, but when he was paired with Aaron Ekblad and away they took off, it was it was uh, it, it was amazing and uh, they were very dominant. They chewed up a lot of ice time. They were very proficient at uh, uh, garnering the and getting the offense started. They were getting a lot of points in that. Then Aaron Ekblad went down with a broken leg. And everybody thought, oh boy, there goes their, 
Norris Trophy candidate defenseman, which he was. He was having a uh, an excellent uh, MVP type season, Aaron Ekblad. And everybody thought, well, what's going to happen now? Mackenzie Weger just elevated his play even more and took on more responsibilities and performed even better on a nightly basis consistently and teamed up with Gustav Forsling. They're the Panthers' number one uh, defensive pair, and they log anywhere from 19 to 23 minutes a night. And uh, uh, all the attributes that you want from a two-way defenseman offensively, defensively, Mackenzie Wieger's done that and even more. And um, I'm just happy that he's going to be in South Florida for many, many years. He's been outstanding. He's also, I think he's, he's a good goal-scoring defenseman too. He had a, a couple of big goals over the last couple of games. He had that big goal against Tampa to get the Panthers going on that um, the last game of the season. Yeah, Monday night. Um, yeah, that was a huge goal to get them going. Um, but he's been great. He's been, um, yeah, as you mentioned, paired up with that, that top line with Forsling. And he has, I think he's adapted to that, that change, like really quickly on the fly. Um, so he's been outstanding. Um, I, I think Barkov's been paired with just about every forward on the, on the Panthers yeah. this season. How has he handled that constant change of another winger gets inserted and it's another one and it's another one every night? How does he just keep, keep playing his game? That's uh, that's one of the reasons why he's one of the the top, in my opinion, one of the top five players in the NHL. If there wasn't a season of Connor McDavid, Alexander Barkov would be right there uh, in the MVP uh, trophy for you know for the the best player in the league, the most valuable player. Um, he's done it all, and that's that's what shows how how much value he has to the team is you can play anybody with them. The only thing, the wingers that play with them, the one thing they have to do, they got to keep up and they got to get open and get in a position to receive passes because he's, he'll set it, he'll set you up. Uh, Alexander Barkov, a new element to his game this year. And this has maybe been a small criticism over his um, first six years of his career was he doesn't shoot enough. When he gets into position, he's always that pass first. He wants to pass the puck and that. Well, this year he came in and he, he said right at the beginning of the year, I'm going to shoot more. And it's been amazing. He's got, what, eight goals in the last 10 games. He's got, oh, my goodness, I uh, 31 points his last 25 games. He's just been unbelievable. One of the top goal scorers and point getters over the over. And if you, like I said, we're laughing about it. If you take away Connor McDavid, which what he's done is just phenomenal and, and good on him. He is a true, true superstar. If you take him away from it, Alexander Barkov would be right there one and two with uh, the the scoring leaders over the last 25 games. It's that simple. Yeah. Uh, Barkov's got a point in five of his last six games. He finished with uh, 26 goals, 32 assists. So that's 58 points if my math is correct. Um, but yeah, you were right. You put him on whichever line you, excuse me, you pair him with whoever, and he just shows up and keeps playing his game. Um, and he's been, yeah, I mean, you could probably take away McDavid, but there's probably, uh, an Austin Matthews or a Sidney Crosby in that conversation as well. Um, not that I am going to discredit Alexander Barkov for what he's done for the Panthers this year. He's been outstanding. Um, let's talk about the goaltending situation. I feel like Sergei Bobrovsky, got better and better as the season progressed. What have you seen from Bob's that has shown that he's taken his game to the next level? 
Well, I like to put things in, and do comparisons and, and that put things in perspective of, of using uh, different examples. Can you imagine next year if we play an 82 game schedule? I'll start with this. And Connor McDavid gets 82 points. That will be, in a lot of people's eyes, a total failure. Failure. It'll be an off-season, a, a disappointing year. And that. why that is is because the bar has been raised so high. So let's, let's compare that to Sergei Bobrovsky, two-time Vezina Trophy winner, one of the best goaltenders in the world. There is high, high expectations every time he starts a hockey game. Fans, media, um, anybody that watches, there's there's a there's a, a, a an expectation of excellence that I I don't know if any athlete can can really live up to that, and I, I really feel that's the case with Sergey Bobrovsky. I will say this year he was good, borderline very good. Was he extraordinary? No, but he didn't have to be. The team was scoring a lot of goals. Panthers were one of the highest scoring teams in the league. They led the NHL in shots on goal per game, average per game. And so when you're creating that much offense, what that means, I like to explain this to people. When you're leading the NHL in shots and in shot attempts, what it tells you is, A, you have the puck. So when you have the puck, your goaltender's not getting shot on or scored on. Number two, that means you got a lot of possession time in the offensive zone. So you're 200 feet away from your own goaltender. Um, so that helped out with Sergei Bobrovsky. There was a few hiccups during the year where I think he overplaying the puck. Sometimes I think he thinks a little bit too much, but the mechanics are there, David. I mean, he is just, I don't think I've ever seen a goaltender that is that mechanically sound fundamentally balance uh timing um i watch him in practice and morning skates and uh he he's he's a phenomenal athlete he's very very focused and driven and i think maybe sometimes that can be detrimental and he's not a really a, a relaxed guy out there flopping around and and all that he's always focused and, and this and that so he had a good year borderline very good year and um, I said it at the beginning of the year. I said it in the middle of the year. I'll say it now. I've said it yesterday. If the Panthers do go on a deep run of the playoffs, in the playoffs this year, Sergey Bobrovsky will be playing 90% of those games. So it's just that simple. He's a world-class goaltender. There's a reason why he's compensated the way he is. And the Panthers expect a lot out of him. And he expects a lot of, uh, out of himself. He's... Uh... He's been very, very well. He's played solid. He's locked in every night. He's won uh, four of his last five decisions, 2.9 GAA, 0.906 safe percentage, 19-8-2. Uh, that's, that's a very good record for Bobrovsky. Um, I was watching the game Monday night, and it looked like, speaking of locked in, uh, Chris Drieger was locked in last, night, uh, last Monday night. Um, how has he elevated his play in the, in the cage? It, it started a little bit last year where he got an opportunity. And then again, this year, he just really took off. And um, here's a, you know, he's the most um, improved player on the Panthers. And then again, given an opportunity and here's a player 
at the beginning of last year was playing in the East Coast Hockey League. And he bounced around four different teams. He says it himself, you know, is this my last kick at the can? Um, is this going to be it? My, my career is going to maybe just fizzle out or whatever. But good on him. And the perseverance and the dedication and uh, the workmanship that he really put in and, and worked hard in that. And then it's up to him to perform. And he's a very sound goaltender. And I'll say this, David. You take a look at the 16 teams that are going to be in this year's playoffs. How many teams in the league have two quality, quality goaltenders? I don't think there's another team. And you take a look at the Panthers' uh, first-round opponent, the Tampa Bay Lightning. It's Andre Vasilevsky. There's nobody else. <laughs> nobody else is playing. There's no, there's no competition. There's no this, not. And, and so going back to Drieger and, and Bobrovsky, I think it was a healthy internal competition between the two. They were splitting games a lot. And um, when Bob had a couple of games or, or the one game where he, he kind of struggled uh, as far as, and he admittedly so, I mean, Drieger jumped in and won three of his next four or four of the next five. So, um, that internal competition pushing each other, I think it's healthy. Um, the Panthers, I am so happy, and I know a lot of fans, and I know the team is happy in that too, that they do have two number one goaltenders going into the playoffs. I, I do believe, you know, Boston's got Tuka Rask. After that, I, I really don't know. I mean, and then you got Grubauer in, in Colorado and, and Bennington in, in St. Louis and um, you know, there's so many question marks. Who's Edmonton going to play in goal? Who's Toronto going to play in goal? What about Montreal? Is Carey Price going to play in goal? I mean, it goes on and on and on. But the Panthers, um, long-winded answer to that is they're very, very fortunate, very fortunate, and they know it, that they have two excellent, excellent number one goaltenders um, that are going into the playoffs healthy and happy. But I yeah. believe but I, but I, believe that Sergey Bobrovsky is going to get the start. And as long as he plays well and the team plays well in front of him, um, I think it's be his net. I, I, don't, I think if it goes to seven games, I believe that uh, Chris Drieger will get at least one game and, mm -hmm. and that and maybe even more. But uh, we'll have to wait and see. That's, that's kind of the way the rhythm has gone throughout the regular season with, with our goaltending. I was going to make a case for the Bruins. Uh, Jeremy Swayman. Uh, the kid from the University of Maine spent a lot of time in Providence, got the call up, I think last month. And since then, he's been he's been outstanding. I mean, he has been, um, you know, you take a take away Tuka Rask, the Bruins backup situation is not Yar Yaroslav Halak, who I think has regressed. It's Jeremy Swayman. And I don't know. But if He's young and there's, there's a lot of expectations. And, and just like you mentioned, if the Bruins are going to go anywhere in this year's playoffs, I mean, Tuka Rask is going to be the goaltender. I mean, right. everybody knows that. He knows it. Everybody knows that. Yeah, right. I was making my case to my dad uh, the other night saying that if, if Tuka doesn't play well, you have Swayman and he's good. Um, what about Spencer Knight? I don't think I've ever seen a goaltender that young that looks so composed in any single game. He came in against Nashville. Bobrovsky gets pulled the third period. They're down 4-3, I think. And he looked about as composed as I've ever seen a goaltender. What, what makes him so good? 
Well, that, that, I, I think, David, just what you pointed out, the composure and the maturity for only 20 years of age. Now, I mean, he can't even go out and celebrate and have a beer legally after his, his four wins. Went 4-0 in the four, in the four uh, appearances that he made. Uh, but here's where I kind of uh, side on, on the side of, of caution and that. He's only 20 years old. Everybody knows in the world that what he has done in college and what he did at the World Junior Championships and yada, yada. He is a world-class goaltender. I think he's got a very, very long, prosperous career in the NHL, but he's only 20 years old. So you have to pump the brakes a little bit. Uh, the, I, I, I believe the worst thing that you could do is just throw him in there and hell or high water, you know, how's he going to do? I, I, I think they have long-term plans for Spencer Knight. And it, it will it will depend on uh, whether Chris Drieger is back or he's going to be with uh, Seattle the expansion team or whatever. He's an unrestricted free agent and he deserves a big raise. And um, I think he'll get it. Just not sure it will be with the Florida Panthers. That's just the way there's economics um, repercussions in this league as far as salary caps and what have you. Um, but Spencer Knight, no doubt, excellent talent. And a great mature kid, mechanically sound. He's got all the tools, David. He's got everything. Um, I just, I'm not sure. My personal opinion is um, I just wouldn't put him in a position where we've seen too many young goaltenders over the years that have been thrust into the limelight and it's either sink or swim. And a lot of them has sunk. And you don't want that. You want a goaltender to continue to mature and get acclimated at the NHL level. They've done a phenomenal job after he signed, after his collegiate career, came in, practiced with the team and working with the goaltending uh, department with the Florida Panthers. He's watched Drieger and Bobrovsky and how they handle themselves on a day-to-day -day basis and how they work and, and the drills they do in practice. And I think it's be very beneficial for him in the future, um, but, I just don't know if uh, that limelight is is ready, right? Just and it has nothing to do with his performance, his reputation, um, his talent level. It's just he's a young goaltender. You got to be careful. Yeah, and I I thought it was a little bit interesting to see him thrown in. I know it was Columbus, and they were out of gas at that point. It was weird to see him thrown in. I was like, just start Drieger, or Bobrovsky. You know, you're playing against Columbus, but um, I think. He has he has played well, and um, you know you're right. He is a young kid, and we'll be interesting to see if they send him down to the farm system or not before calling him up for the first season. Um, that he will be able to back up Bobrovsky. Um, do you think Coach Quenville is a candidate for the Jack Adams based off what he's done to this uh, organization yeah. this year? Yeah, uh, and along with Bill Zito, Bill Zito should be GM of the year. Although there's no. Mm -hmm award for that. I mean, they have the executive of the year, but um, no, no doubt coach Quenville and no disrespect to some of the other coaches that have done a phenomenal job. Uh, Quenville has a reputation and a knack and he did it back in when he won those cups in Chicago of inserting players and pushing the, we like to use that and it's overused the, the term pushing the right buttons. What that means is putting players in position 
where they can succeed and help the team. And he did it all season long. And, and some of the line combinations and D pairs and decisions he made on a night to night basis with his goaltending rotation. And, uh, and then, and then you have to talk about the in-game moves where, as I mentioned, when just when we, you and I were talking a few minutes ago, how he would, um, you know, evaluate as the game going on and, Oh, this is not working. This line's not working and he'll change things up. And I, I still, I got pencils. I have pencils because when I, when they do the lines in the morning skater and even in warm up, I'm writing down the lines and I, I got them in pencil because it could be one or two shifts and, and they could be all changed up. So um, long winded answer to that. He, he deserves the uh, Jack Adams award for the coach of the year, in my opinion for what he works with and how he's had to transform this team. And remember, he had to glue this team together that, that was uh, given to him in the off season. And at the start of the season, um, as I mentioned, almost half of this roster was turned over and that's a tall task. Not many teams go through that and have that success. So a lot of the success uh, uh, has to go to Joe Quenville. I, I've always had this saying, even when I played, uh, I, I believe that coaches get way too much credit when the team wins, but they get even more uh, uh, when the, they get more criticism or and um, that when the team loses and and that and and I, I really do believe that I believe it's the, it's the systems, the players, it's up to the players to go out there and um, perform and execute. but it's up to the coaching staff to make, to make sure that the, all these systems are implemented and everybody understands and everybody's on the right page. And um, as I say, coaches get way too much uh, uh, praise when the team goes well and they get way too much criticism, way too much criticism when the team doesn't do well. I, I, that really bothers me sometimes when teams struggle and they, they point the finger at the coach. I mean, it, it, and the players, it's almost like they, um, the media doesn't uh, hold them responsible, and I think they should. Yeah, and the way that he's um, working with the depth that the Panthers have and bringing in all these younger guys up to fill in the gaps of injured players and how they have performed, um, he's, he's definitely got to be either – he has to win it or he's in the conversation because I don't, I don't know how the Panthers are successful without, without him at the helm. Oh, um, no, so – no doubt. There's no doubt. I mean, Joe Quenville, uh, you know, he deserves, he deserves the accolades of what he's done. Uh, and they, 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 they've had a very consistent, he talks about that. He talks about the process of playing consistently and um, what are some of the other words? Um, predictability, you know, go out there and play and don't do crazy stuff that nobody predicts and that just stay predictable and consistent and that and you will over time have success so that's that's exactly how he has steered the ship this year and um good on him he's a great coach he's a great mentor good communicator with the with the with the players and with management and ownership he's uh he's a team player that's for sure absolutely um so let's get into the the panthers and the bolts round one series um let's talk about the regular season first the Panthers did, honestly, I thought they played so much better against Tampa Bay. Um, they went five, two, and one against Tampa this year, which is 
really impressive. So what what changed for the Panthers in their game plan against uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning? Well, here's one stat for you, David. I mean, the Panthers beat uh, Andre Vasilevsky four times this year, mm-hmm. and they scored four more goals in each of those games. So that tells you. I think it's the offense. I, I think that the Panthers, uh, their style of play, and this has this goes back again to Joel Quenville and and Bill Zito, um, the general manager, and how they want this team built and how they want it to be consistently built and and uh, refurbished. Is they want to play at a high tempo, and what that means for the average fan is everything is done fast and. You're responsible defensively, but as soon as you get control of that puck, it is all attack, and it is five players going up the ice. So that that pace of play, uh, not only against Tampa Bay, David, but against all the other teams, uh, they were they were very successful at that, and I think that's the reason why they they had the edge in the season series against the Lightning because Panthers were a little bit more quicker, played with a little bit more pace than the lightning did. And that's the reason why that's that five, two and one record. What about the rivalry? I feel like as the season went on and the games got bigger and bigger, the rivalry was, was more physical. And I, I've never seen like, and as a, you know, Panthers myself, I've never seen the battle of Florida be that physical and that so much bad blood between those two teams. So how has that evolved this season? I just think, it goes back. I mean, it builds up over the last number of years. Um, you know, they play two, three, four times in the preseason. Then they play, you know, six, seven, eight times in the regular season. You're, 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 you're always going to be building up the rivalries and there's some bad blood. I, I think players on both sides, both teams know what's at stake here and the bragging rights for the state of Florida. Yeah. Um, but also too, there's some there's some personal pride and professional pride that, you know, the Tampa Bay Lightning for so many years have dominated the Panthers, and I, you know, and Aaron Ekblad and and Huberto and Barkoff have been here for that, and I think they're just sick and tired of it. They're sick and tired of it, and I, they believe now and they have the confidence that they can not only play with the Tampa Bay Lightning, but they're very confident that they can beat them in a seven game series, and and so that builds up the bad blood. Same thing with Tampa. They're very proud. And I got a lot of respect for them. The defending Stanley Cup champions, they have a lot of great pieces to their team, starting in goal with Vasilevsky and all this star power that they have, both on the back end and forward. They're a proud bunch as well. And they want to win. And that's the reason they won the Stanley Cup, is they're driven to win. And when you're driven to win, anything that gets in front of you, there's going to be uh, some animosity, some bad blood. And, and I think it's healthy. I think the fans like it. I think the players like it. The games that they played this year have been like playoff intensity type style games. And we're in for a real treat. It's going to be wild. The seven game series, there's going to be a lot of swings go back and forth and uh, ups and downs and domination and disappointment and elation. Oh, oh, we're going to run the gamut of all the emotions, Uh, not only me calling the games and being a part of the broadcast, but the fans and the team itself. And the one thing you got to put in perspective is you're not going to win the series in the first two games. You're not going to win it. It's you have to win four. So it's a marathon. It's not a sprint and and that. And I think the Panthers, if they prepare themselves that way and have that mentality, they're going to be fine. They've they've proved that all season long. Um, When they faced adversity, the Panthers have responded in a positive way. 
they don't let it get them down. Like we talked about when we started to start, when we first started talking today, they don't uh, allow a one or a two game losing streak, go to five, six, seven games. They, they find the solution, they change, they, they adapt, and then they get back on the winning tra- uh, winning trails and, and um, winning track. And I think that's, that's going to, that's going to hold true for them to be successful uh, in the playoffs. Yeah. And I, I definitely think it has seven games written all over it. Like it, it will go seven. It's going to be a nosebleed battle. Um, some shootouts here and there, it's going to be close. Um, but if the Panthers had an edge, like if, if, if something in this series could give them any advantage, what could it be? Is it coaching? Is it depth? Is it um, experience? Like what, what gives the Panther, what can give the Panthers the edge in this series? I think the pace of play. Mm. I think that if they, if they continue to, to play at that fast attacking style and their defense and their transition game, which is included in this. And what that means is Tampa comes up the ice. They try and make a play, get over the blue line, lose control of the puck like Mackenzie Weger scored on Monday and quick bang, the pucks up the ice. You're coming, attacking over the blue line with speed. Get the get the puck to an open man. Crash the net and get, get the goals. Uh, Panthers have um, at one point during the season led the led the league in goals off the rush. And if so, it, it kind of ties all all in that. Uh, uh, David was as far as if they play at the pace and the intensity and the attacking style that they're capable of. I think that will be that'll be the swinging point for me against Tampa. Tampa's a quick team, a lot of firepower, but the Panthers were a quicker team this year. Yeah, what I think that something that could give the Panthers the edge is turnovers. Um, I remember them scoring a couple of goals, um, mainly in Tampa when the Bolts had the puck in the defensive zone. And then they turn the puck over and the Panthers put it on the back of the net. And it's happened a couple times, um, especially Monday night when the, the Panthers got shorthanded. Vasilevsky's playing the puck behind his own net, coughs it right up, and Lamico speeds right behind him with a wraparound and puts it in. So if they could capitalize off turnovers, um, along with that pace, they've got a really good chance to, to win this series. Last, you know, last one. Yeah, you know, David, I mean, and, and it goes with every team and every coach will talk about it. All the players talk about it. The NHL is become a very fast, fast game and transition from defense to offense. But with that as well, David, and I want to add this, is um, the Panthers want to play as a puck possession team. And that's where Tampa won last year because they had the puck the whole time. They don't throw the puck blindly. They don't just dump it in for no reason uh, and that. They're very patient with the puck. And, and I believe that the Panthers, whoever's got the puck more, uh, that's going to equate to offense and equate to success. Yeah, absolutely. Um, last one. What are you expecting um, the atmosphere for game one? And what's it going to be like to call the playoffs? Not uh, against Tampa Bay as an added bonus. Yeah, it's going to be exciting. I mean, I've been here a long, long time, 27 years. And and um, this is the first time that the Panthers and the Lightning will face off in any playoffs series. So it's special for the fans. I'm really happy for the fans. They've waited for this. They want this. 
uh, both the Lightning fans, Panther fans, and everybody's in, everybody's all uh, hyped up over this, and all the media and the fans and everybody involved. It's it, it's a great atmosphere. I'm going to enjoy it. Um, I, I I hope that it's an it will be. I know it will be in a very exciting and emotional series and that. And I'm just happy that I can be a part of it and call the game. And I I'm I'm hoping that the Panthers have success. Um, and, and, and it's really something when you, when you're able to possibly defeat the defending Stanley cup champions, that's, that's saying a lot. And you're not just playing a, um, a weak team, a weak sister team, uh, off the bat. This is, you're playing the best of the best and the Panthers know that and, and they know they have to bring their best. Yeah. And it's going to be, it's going to be one hell of a show for sure. And definitely with everybody healthy, the bolts healthy, um, the Panthers being healthy, it's going to make for, for one hell of a show and it's going to be really exciting to watch. So, um, Randy, thanks so much for taking the time to uh, meet with me this after, uh, this morning and, uh, best of luck in the playoffs. Good luck. Oh, well, thank you so much for having me. And we'll, let's talk. If the Panthers get by in that first round, let's have another conversation. Definitely. I, we'll see you later. All right. Talk to you later.